Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We're glad to have you back with us today. We're going to talk on part two of how true worship works. I know you'll enjoy it. We want to welcome those of you that are listening from around the United States and internationally. We welcome you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. And, of course, I want to remind you of my book, Mike Springston, I Surrender. I uh, want you to know you get it through Amazon or in your local bookstore. Well, we're glad to have you. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin the study today. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, and our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then, Jesus, we ask you to reveal through the Holy Spirit. We, we yield ourselves and sanctify ourselves and bring ourselves completely and give it to you, give ourselves to you. Now, we ask you to reveal through us through the Holy Spirit, what you would have us know, do, understand, and demonstrate. As you do, we'll receive it and reveal it and release it to your people, and we'll be corrected, blessed, led, and guided by the words of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we give you glory and honor and praise for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. We're talking about how true worship works. This is session two. In our Western world, concerning how we do church, our preparation for worship is really non-existent if we're not a member of the praise team. Their preparation for worship is predominantly through learning songs and sometimes even being taught corresponding footwork. In many churches, you walk in and there's a timer that flashes on the screen That timer provides a countdown to how long until church starts. Or maybe music is played to gather the attention of those that are in the crowd that day. Now, why is this necessary? Well, because Sunday morning during the arrival time is a complete social event. Of that, there can be no doubt. People who just seven days ago spent a superficial 30 minutes with friends that they've been away from for a complete week determined to reconnect. Now, of course, this indicates that they have not been together any during the week. There was no midweek session. There was no Bible study. There was no group work. Uh, There was no youth. There was nothing going on. So on that Sunday morning, or there was nothing that they chose to participate in. So that Sunday morning, they come, and there they uh, have their reconnection time. During that time, of course, all kinds of information is shared. The work week, how the kids are doing, what sports were played, what's going on with brothers and sisters and grandmas and grandpas and where you've traveled and how your job is going and what happened at the grocery store and who's a good driver and a bad driver and who can tell the best joke. I mean, all kinds of information. But none of it has the first thing to do with the worship or the preparation for worship. Then, of course, during this time, there is the army that ascends on visitors. 
They spend their 30 minutes probing and prodding for information that they can feed the pastor so that he can connect, if you will, with visitors. Now, this same thing was done in the great healing ministries, and we have demeaned their ministries for talking with people about what was wrong with them and then giving it to the man that was operating the program that night. But in our regular services nowadays, this army descends and does everything they can do to get every ounce of information. And this is done so that they can be proactive and appear to be invested in the visitors. Again, there's no preparation for worship. Really, there is no consideration of concern about the impending worship activities. So worship begins, and now we can see why it has turned into a concert atmosphere, because the people needed to be entertained. They've been in their human side for 30 or 45 minutes. And we can see why the lights needed to be turned off, because the people must be refocused from their social club atmosphere. Now, why is this happening? Well, because the churches allow the atmosphere, and it becomes a social gathering. We've become more interested in trying to show people that we take them more seriously than we do the worship. This plays directly into our messaging, where the leadership, preachers, and teachers espouse the importance of the creature more than the Creator. You know the message of God loves you so much that if you had been the only one, Jesus would have died just for you. You are, of course, in that message that important to God. Now, I will not go into this anymore except to direct you to my, to my messages on the reason Jesus had to die. So how should we prepare for our worship? Prayer and meditation is a good place to start. When we come into the house of God in preparation for worship, there should be a prayer time from wherever you are. There should be a time of consideration concerning the, me the meaning of the two immutable things that we only think about when we're doing the Lord's Supper. However, those two things are at the root of everything that happens in the Christian walk. Those two immutable things, well, they're the body and the blood. Here we consider and meditate upon the things that Jesus endured as he provided his body to be a living sacrifice. We must be careful to not enter into the domain of worship in an, any unworthy way. Now, what would that be? To attempt to worship without giving, yielding, and sanctifying ourselves to the work accomplished by the body to eliminate sin and the work of the blood to cleanse us from that sin. We must also realize that in the body and the blood are the means to dissolve the earthiness of a person. If we're to worship correctly, our earthly side must dissolve. When that dissolves, we move over into a dimension of which we are designed to be. We can then move over into the Spirit. This is the place where we come into oneness with the Father and the Son. It is the place from where Jesus prays for us and the place from where we receive the comfort 
and the nearness of his presence. Without this provisions, all we are doing is singing songs that entertain us, but do not magnify him. We spend time, but having nothing significant to minister to us. We mouth words that have a beat and a rhyme, but do nothing to prepare our heart for the word of God. When we do sit down and wait to go home, when we're done, we sit down and wait to go home. Now watch this. Because we've been taught that our time of interaction is over. The ministry of music was our time to interact. Now we sit and fidget through the ministry of the word. And we don't interact at all. Why? We sense no prompting to do so. Well, where would that prompting come from? Would it come from the man doing the ministering, encouraging you to do this, that, or the other? Or would the word of God stir you, like Paul told Timothy, stir up that gift that's in you, until when the word of God rung out in truth, it would resonate in you and the Holy Spirit would elicit out of you an amen, a hallelujah, a lifted hand, a hand clap. But you see, we sense no prompting. Why do we sense no prompting? Because we have not prepared our soul for interaction with the Holy Spirit to hear the Word of God, allow the Word of God to resonate in us, and then allow our inner man, who is the habitation of God, to come out of us with this free-flowing river of life that hears truth, resonates in truth, and then agrees with truth. Now, remember during the music, we were encouraged to dance and jump and wave while we were being entertained by the concert. But when the Word of God is expressed and exposed, we find absolutely nothing to interact with, and the question is why? Because we've not prepared ourselves for that interaction. We've prepared ourselves for the beat. The beat rumbles on the inside of us, and we respond to it. The beat will move us. Now, we don't expect to have interaction because no one told us we should. We don't expect to have interaction because we are not preparing ourselves in the Spirit. We're not ready for the Word of God. So the Word of God lies dormant. Now, whenever we need the Word of God to come through, and to do something for us, and we will attempt to search the Scripture to find something to hang our hat on, and then we will repeat it over and over and over to God. But yet, we have done nothing in worship to substantiate, to strengthen, to build our ability in the Spirit, to allow the Spirit of God to agree with the Word of God and to resonate in us until out of us comes our word of agreement. Now, if we prepared effectively, we would do what David did. We would enter his gates with praise and his courts with thanksgiving.
We would be in mind. We would come having meditated on and thought on and been in the sanctuary preparing our minds for the work of his body. Do you know his body was ravaged? His body was beaten beyond recognition. The question is why? Why was his body beaten so savagely? Because it was covered in sin. From that beating of that body was produced every single thing that you need in the Christian walk. From the blood that came from that body, your will was broken. From the blood that came from the crown of thorns, watch this, your mind and emotions were brought under the covering that is Jesus Christ. Your eyes were anointed through that blood to see things like he sees. Your ears were anointed to hear things like he hears. Think about that. From the plucking of his beard, your mouth was made to speak words in the anointing like Jesus did. Now I want to ask you a question here. If we were in a situation where we were operating out of the blood and the body, the two immutable things, would we be operating in all of the mental health issues of the day? Would we be operating in oppression, depression, compression? What would we be, what, how would we be different if we came into the house of God thinking on what the body and the blood has produced for us? Thinking on how my mind and my emotions are covered. Knowing that I could worship and praise and bring thanksgiving into the house of God. That I didn't have to live poor, broken, bruised, blind, and captive in bondage. I don't have to live that way. But I'm never going to understand that until I understand the body and the blood. Well, my friend, if we would put on the mind of the body and the blood and come to worship appropriately, things would change in our life. We would stop looking at that 30 or 40 minute worship session as being um, an entertainment time. It would be a time of preparation. We would wash ourselves with the water of purging and refining until we entered into the Spirit. What would we do then? Well, we would pray in the Spirit. We would sing in the Spirit, and we would study and train ourselves in the Word of God. We would wash ourselves in our mind with Word until we are able to live in the mind of Christ. This is what the priest did before he entered into the holy place in the tabernacle uh, that God showed uh, Israel to build. Fully prepared then, if we came into worship prepared as I'm suggesting, we would then be able in our spirit to sit on ready, waiting to praise not listening to the singers, not hearing the music, 
not listening to the words, but we would be in our spirit and in our soul, ready to bring forth words of praise. We would be sitting on ready, waiting to hear the word of God. Now, waiting here is different, my friend. Why is that? Because this waiting does not have the limitations of doubt, fear, and rejection. Whenever we have done what I'm suggesting in preparation for worship, we don't come into that service in doubt. We don't come into that service in fear, nor do we come in in rejection, nor do we come in with guilt and shame for sin. No, that's all been covered. We have, we have wiped away every doubt in our mind about what and who God is, about how God is going to interact with me. We've wiped away every fear of every earthly thing. It's dissolved. All of earth's problems have dissolved whenever we bring ourselves into the spirit of worship. And then we don't ever have to worry about being rejected. We don't ever have to worry about God looking at me and saying, no, I've searched your heart and you've got hidden sin in you and you need to clean up that hidden sin. We don't ever have to worry about that. We're totally secure in what we've done concerning our offering, which was the sin that we died to and what we've done concerning what we have sacrificed, which is the living sacrifice of our life for service. Now then we go to Romans 8, 24 and 25. For we're saved by hope. That is an expectation. This is what I'm suggesting to you. We have changed our expectation in worship. We are now expecting that we can live in confidence, that we can have absolutely the strength of assurance, and that we can know that we know that we know that we're accepted in the blood. We have saved by hope or expectation. But that hope is seen, is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? We need not hope for the things that we possess, my friend. See, that brings us into a completely different conversation about worship. We now can walk into worship with a great expectation of what God is going to do because we no longer have to hope and wonder. We know what God is going to do. Verse 25, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. When we go to worship, prepared for entrance into the holy place, we can wait with complete knowledge that what we expect to happen will happen. We're very cheerful about that, to endure until what we expect happens. Our complete confidence is that we have engaged with him by the elimination of anything that would taint the spirit concerning undissolved things from our earthly side. Therefore, with confidence, we're ready to be called to enter into the place where we will offer our living sacrifice to have his blood sprinkled upon us in the holy place. This, my friend, is true worship. It is worship in the Spirit. When we're called into His presence, we're well organized and prepared to minister to Him. We do not come to be ministered to, my friends, but to minister. 
Now, I want you to hear that because it's of a vital importance. The way our Western culture worship is set up, we come to be ministered to. Here we are, God. We have sacrificed ourselves to spend this hour with you. Minister to me. Light me up. Turn me on. No, my friend. Worship is a time when we come to minister to him. We come to be vessels of ministry. Isn't that something? This is what our time in the tabernacle should produce. We are ministering to him. A ministry that is not about us or our needs, but a ministry that is totally focused upon glorifying the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. So in our spirit, we offer our body to be crucified and then make a living sacrifice that's covered by his blood. Our living sacrifice is now seen in the process that is represented by the lampstand. Now we're complete in him as every step required to make me and you the righteousness of God are identified in that lampstand. Then we as the spiritual priest take our living sacrifice and place ourselves under the blood at the table of showbread. Here we eat of his body and drink of his blood. This service to enact the effects of the seven places from which he bled upon the cross. You remember them. He bled uh, from his sweat that his will would be broken. He bled from the thorns that his mind and his emotions, things he sees and hears, would be brought under the direction of the spiritual. He bled from his beard so that every word he speaks might be words that agree with the word of God. He bled from his side for the church of which you are a member and a citizen now of a heavenly place. He bled from his back for your healing. He bled from his hands for your ability to work in the anointing and bless spiritually. He bled from his feet so that every step that you take in this journey of following Christ is ordered by the Lord. Seven places from which he bled. Our will is transformed now to be like his. Our mind and emotions are transformed to think as he thought. Our eyes and ears see and hear as he saw and heard. Our mouth begins to speak in creative ways as he... We are brought into the most powerful organization the world has ever known, which is the church by the blood and the water that flows from his side. We are given the reach, grasp, and anointing that is in the hands of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead bodily from the scars in his hand. hands. Everywhere our feet journey, there is a light for peace. Our living sacrifice covered with his blood makes the body and the blood of these wounds to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ and all of his works and offices. We come to the altar of incense in our worship. Here again as a priest we bring the living sacrifice and cover it in, in his blood and the smoke of the coals from the brazen altar. Co-bingle until we look, act, talk, and think, and speak like Jesus. Now this is what worship is meant to be. Our faith is fixed and focused upon the object of our worship. Without both the offering and the sacrifice, we cannot cross over into the Holy of Holies. 
By crossing over, we enter into the divine conversation with the Father and the Son. It is here that our ministry changes course, but it's not until I get here that this occurs. Prior to this, we're ministering and attending to Him. All of our focus is on Him. Having come into the Holy of Holies, we're now freed to share the needs, cares, concerns, and issues of life before the throne. The Holy Spirit is praying with us and for us. The will of God is produced through the benefits of salvation, and the promises of these benefits are then released. Our worship will result in intense magnification of who He is. Because we've come with the boldness to die to get into the presence of God first as a worshiping servant. Then we prepared ourselves as a priest for ministry to him. We took the sacrifice through the covering of the blood in process, procedure, and profession. We can now enter into the Holy of Holies and be shown things to come, guided into the things that we need, led by the Spirit, and given what we need to do and to speak. The productivity of this worship system is obvious because it is a worship structure that is provided from a heavenly design. Now this worship structure has an outcome that becomes apparent in our outer world. Romans 12 and 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are never in a position to be conformed to this world, my friends. We're never fashioned to look like, act like, talk like, think like, or live like the pattern of the world. The things the world does to counterfeit the supernatural are not a part of our lives. We do not try to rival them with the way we do things. We do everything through the knowledge and understanding of light and light's effects on our behaviors and our deeds. We do not have ourselves as the driving and motivating factor of why we do what we do. We have him as the identified object of our faith. We're interested in conforming to the heavenly pattern and the heavenly pattern only. For that reason, we translate our worship into the process of worship in heavenly places. We validate our service to him in our worship. We validate our allegiance to him as the object of our faith. From that we are transformed. Again, notice the phases of the transformation that are required for true worship in the Spirit. We must have an offering, and that is ourselves. We must spiritually be crucified with Christ. We must become the priest over our own sacrifice. The sacrifice becomes our living sacrifice that we bear as a priest into the holy place. We give the sacrifice to the vessels of ministry that are sprinkled with his blood. This giving places him as the object of our faith. Our life moves into the realm of his faith because it is due to his faith in giving himself for me that I am able to worship in the holy place and be accepted. We cross over into the holy of holies because we have totally experienced a, a renovated uh, a, a renovation of our understanding of spiritual things. Here we come into the process of being allowed to discern and examine by testing the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We locate the very best and the great and good things of God. These things are described as the benefits of God. We know that these have come from the plan of salvation and are freely given to the believer.
We identify the acceptable things that are present in the Holy of Holies or the throne room of God as he promises to the believer. Those are things that are agreeable and are well-pleasing to both God and man. They're expressed by every promise according to 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. These are the agreeable things that are absolute with respect to their disclosure to the believer. This place results in the perfect understanding of the will of God. We're able to become complete in Him. We are mature in Him in that we have become mental and morally complete. Our character reflects the image of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. This is the dynamic place that worship brings us when we worship in the Spirit and in truth. We locate the perfect desire of God for our lives. Most will never come into this intimacy because it takes understanding the process and following the process to a conclusion. It also takes a daily dying and a daily cleansing and a daily waiting to get into the presence of the Lord. The rewards, however, are tremendous. Intimacy with God cannot be replaced. Being a servant minister who becomes a benefited receiver of the revelation concerning God's plan for our life can be somewhat overwhelming, but we can worship correctly if we make our intention to do so. We can see the complete plan and purpose of God exposed from our time of intimacy. Now what do you desire? To come to see God validate himself to you and walk away knowing, in fact, there is a God? Or do you wish to come and minister to him and become intimate with him? For the first, you leave blessed but without knowledge of his plan or his will. For the second, you leave with the benefits of heaven and time spent with him. The promises of God are released for your ability to be entered into the perfect will of God for your life and the meeting of every need. Now, my friends, this is the intimate place that we must desire to be in worship because it influences and impacts our daily life. This is how true worship works. Father, bless your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Find him as Lord, and you'll bring all of earth's plunder, and you'll lay it at his feet when you come into the sanctuary, and there he will minister to every need. Find him as the man in the Godhead, and he'll speak to you. And he'll show you great and mighty things to come. May God richly bless you is my prayer as you worship him in spirit and truth. Until we speak again.